0: Hey guys, what's up? Happy Friday and welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in this week for another episode of the B-Muse Reviews podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Musica. As always, we're going to analyze, review, and discuss the latest news and dive into the past regarding movies, music, video games, and much, much more. If you don't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at bmusereviews and tune in to the BMus Reviews podcast each week on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and all other streaming platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, we thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to like, subscribe, Leave a comment below and hit the bell icon to receive notifications that inform you exactly when our podcast and all other video content goes live. If there's a question or topic that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, send them to bmusereviews at gmail.com with podcast, question topic in the subject line. With all that out of the way, let's not waste any more time and get right to this week's news. Welcome everyone to the Reviews podcast. All right, and that brings us to topic number one today. I'm gonna to get into some Batman spoiler talk. If you haven't seen the movie yet, you can go ahead and skip this part of the podcast. Don't want to ruin the movie for you, especially if you haven't kind of a chance to see it. This Batman movie finally delivered the dark detective story that I have always wanted to see on the big screen with the Batman. I'm extremely thankful that this movie also included my all-time favorite comic book character, the Riddler. Paul Dano absolutely killed it in this role a tremendous actor. Immediately after the first scene, I was like, uh there's no way this movie is not rated R. I don't know who they paid off at Warner Brothers to make sure that this movie is PG-13, but immediately after seeing the first scene of this movie, you're like, uh this is a horror film. This is this is like what is this? This can this can't be a Batman film. But I'm extremely grateful that Warner Brothers allowed their intellectual property to be treated this way the direction that matt reeves took it they backed him 100 percent extremely grateful that they just let him run with it it's obviously paying off big time for them and rightfully so i know there were kids uh, in the theater when i went to when i went to see it in imax i I can't imagine what the outcome of that was (laughs) definitely not a movie for kids for sure Uh, colin farrell as the penguin in this movie Absolutely unrecognizable. Even when you know it's him, I'm looking to see him somewhere in there under the makeup, and they just did such an amazing job with the makeup and costumes for this entire movie, for each and every character that's featured in this movie. Especially with Colin Farrell, though, I mean it's unbelievable. I'm I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what the HBO series brings with the Penguin. The HBO Max series that's coming soon. I think they're believe I believe it's going to come out in the next year or so. Uh, Colin Farrell will be returning for his role as the Penguin. And Matt Reeves is working as an executive producer on that series as well. Definitely looking forward to seeing what more he brings to that role. Absolutely great as Oswald Cobblepot. He goes everywhere with Carmine Falcone, serving as his right hand man in the movie, or his right wing man, I should say, in this case, as the Penguin. The chemistry between Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman and Robert Pattinson's Batman was great in the film. thought they worked really well together. Batman was absolutely brutal in this movie. The rage within him is always filled to the top and is ready to spill over at any single moment. And we do get plenty of moments where that occurs in this movie. The first being the subway scene brutalizes the thugs the Arkham Asylum video game style fight sequence. That's what it exactly reminded me of. It reminded me of if you played the Arkham games, I'm sure that that's one of the first things that you thought of while watching this movie, especially this scene. The second brutal fight sequence occurred when Batman met the penguin in his club, slammed him against the glass, interrogating him. The third in the GCPD lockup, when he's fighting off the cops and even has to punch Gordon to escape. And the fourth being his confrontation with the Riddler in Arkham Asylum and the final brutal beatdown that you see with the Batman in this film is at the end when he shoots the adrenaline right into his leg and just absolutely destroys the face of one of the Riddler goons I felt John Chatoro as Carmine Falcone was an excellent casting choice. Wasn't sure how Matt Reeves was going to incorporate the character into this film but he did it brilliantly I am a bit sad that Falcone was killed off, we'll only be getting him in one movie, since Matt Reeves has expressed he wants to do a trilogy, knowing that we won't see any more of Falcone, maybe in flashback sequences, depending if it ties in with the Catwoman storyline, him being her father, that was a shock too, I wasn't expecting that, definitely sad that we're not going to see any more of John as Carmine Falcone really thought he did a great job, an amazing actor and she has a great character, very pivotal to Gotham City and the underground workings in the city and the criminal landscape that Batman encounters. And as mentioned, the Riddler is my all-time favorite comic book character, hands down. I will always have love and appreciation for Batman Forever and what Jim Carrey did with the character in the 90s, especially when growing up and watching the film over and over as a kid, but growing up and playing the Arkham games, for instance, my love and appreciation grew for the character even more and my interest in the character as well i've really been hoping to see the riddler back on the big screen eventually but with a much darker approach and we definitely got it in this film we definitely got hit in this film matt reeves most definitely delivered exactly that not only a much darker version of the character but he also made the perfect casting choice in paul dano for this role We've talked about it before here on the podcast about how Paul Down's performance in the movie Prisoners is one that immediately put him atop of my list of favorite actors. And hearing the news that he was cast to play the Riddler in the upcoming Matt Reeves Batman movie, my excitement for the movie went through the damn roof. And after seeing the movie, I now know why, as do millions around the world. In this movie, the Riddler was like Jigsaw meets the Zodiac Killer. He was sick, sadistic, twisted on every single level. And in a crazy way that you almost don't want to admit, you could understand his mindset from where he was coming from. Even though you absolutely disagree with what he's doing and how he's going about it and everything he stands for, you at least understand what he went through and how that could potentially lead to someone living at the way he does and, and committing the crimes that he has. I mean, he was just absolutely disturbed beyond belief, and Paul Dano nailed it. Hands down, my favorite scene in the movie had to be when the Batman comes face-to-face with the Riddler, and as he's yelling at him and asking, what have you done, Paul Dano just continues to sing, Ave Maria, I mean... I had chills during that scene. I was like, what? It reminded me of Heath Ledger. And we talked about that on the podcast as well, how the way that Paul Dana was gonna approach the Riddler, definitely could see comparisons being made to what Heath Ledger did with the Joker and the heights that he brought that character to. And I 100% stand by that after seeing this movie. I've seen and talked to many people Who've said the exact same thing really hoping that he comes back for the role and that we see the riddler seek revenge in an upcoming sequel if not the second film possibly again in the third the final film that matt Reeves wants to do with this trilogy could we see the riddler and his mysterious new arkham asylum inmate friend team up for the upcoming comeback story that is proposed in the movie we'll have to wait and see But most definitely as the most anticipated movie of the year for myself, The Batman exceeded expectations on every single level. And that brings us right to our next topic of discussion. Sticking with more Batman conversation here, who will serve as the villain in the upcoming sequel to The Batman? That is the big question going around. Everyone's asking this question and everyone wants to know who are we going to see take on the Batman, and run Siege over Gotham in the upcoming highly anticipated sequel. While doing rounds of press to promote the most recent Batman film, Matt Reeves stated his interest in in potentially introducing Mr. Freeze into his newly established Batverse. I am 100% behind this idea. Mr. Freeze is such a... An emotionally complex character, much like the Riddler is. And both villains are entirely driven by their emotional state, often at a point of major imbalance. And with regard to Mr. Freeze, after a freak lab accident occurs, he is severely damaged, life altering. He loses his wife, Nora, and the only way to save her, to keep her alive, is to cryogenically freeze her. And he decides that his entire life purpose from that point forward is going to be solely focused on how to bring her back, to save her life as she remains alive in a frozen state. Until he can figure out a way to save her and to be with her again, all bets are off. He does not care what his life becomes, what he has to do, he will stop at nothing to make sure that he can be with his wife again. And when I think about it, Mr. Freeze, his backstory, and the drama that surrounds the character, it reminds me a lot of the Sandman in the MCU. You know, Sandman's known to rob banks for money to support his daughter's medical treatments and medical condition. and there's a lot of turmoil between the two characters and you see the ultimate motives. In one case, what a father would do for his daughter and in another case, what a husband would do for his wife. And when you look at these characters and their motives ultimately, you can relate to them and you can uh, under- You can at least understand why they are driven to do the things that they do. The story of Mr. Freeze is incredibly sad and I think that a more grounded and very much opposite of Arnold Schwarzenegger's portrayal would definitely work in Matt Reeves' new Batverse. I definitely think it would work. In fact, a recent article from Game Rant details Reeves' remarks regarding the character and his potential appearance in the upcoming films. I quote, This take came during one of the press events for The Batman, where Reeves answered one of Collider's questions by explaining his fascination with finding the grounded version of everything, saying that for him, There's a grounded version of Mr. Freeze. While the director seems proud of how the comic book faithful The Batman has turned out, he does seem puzzled by how to unwind the fantastical and see, well, how could that make sense here? In Mr. Freeze's case, were the icy villain to ever be used in a film more like his or Christopher Nolan's, I think there's actually a grounded version of that story which could be very powerful and could be really great, Reeves said, end quote. Now, knowing Reeves is planning a Batman trilogy, not only could you introduce a more grounded version of Mr. Freeze, as he mentions here, but also you could add so many additional characters from the rogues gallery as well. Ultimately, the third and final film could serve as a long Halloween-esque story if he wanted to, where all the villains from the first and second film team up, they return, plus more characters in the rogues gallery you could introduce throughout and for one final plan they work together to take siege over gotham in any event mr freeze is simply just someone who wants to preserve his love for someone and he will do anything in his power to ensure that is the case so many out there can relate to that and so i personally do hope that we do get in mr freeze in an upcoming movie a much more grounded version that matt reeves mentions here in the end, after seeing the Batman, there's nothing that Matt Reeves could not do. I place my full undying trust in him when it comes to anything Batman related for the foreseeable future, that's for sure, hands down. For our next topic, sticking with the Batman and DC talk, a lot of questions have been raised, and one of them being, is the Batman replacing the existing DCEU? Is Matt Reeves newly established Batverse Is it replacing Zack Snyder's established DCEU? Well, I think it's definitely a fair point to say that Warner Brothers hasn't had nearly the amount of success that they initially thought they would with their films within the DCEU. I know they definitely wanted to have a Marvel-esque expanded universe and having each of their films being a home run one after the other after the other while that hasn't occurred for all the films they do still have a slate of films coming out and if you follow us on instagram you saw that we shared how the recent delays that occurred for those films all the films being pushed back except for shazam 2 which was moved from next summer to this upcoming fall in december i believe so they're continuing with the dceu i don't see them stopping with the DCEU at any point. There's no reason why you can't have a separate Batverse at the same time as you have a DCEU that's continuing its, its stories in any direction it wants to take them, the characters. Many Warner Brothers executives have said in the past, at the end of the day, I think their vision moving forward is going to be what they said. And it was, hey, at the end of the day, all we want are really good directors making really good movies that's all they want and you know with Joker and most recently that Batman these films are gonna amass a billion dollars the Joker already did the Batman surely will when all is said and done worldwide it will definitely definitely accumulate a billion dollars and that formula works it clearly works I don't see Warner Brothers straying from that anytime soon. I think they're going to stay on that path. I think they're going to stick with the DCEU. You can have the directors come in, introduce new characters, take already established characters in new directions. You already see Aquaman 2 on the way. Wonder Woman 3 with Patty Jenkins will most likely happen in the near future as well. Flash will most likely get a sequel after its first movie comes out. and who knows where we'll see those characters go from there i don't see them rewriting anything that they've uh, already done so far they definitely most definitely could but i don't see that happening and with regard to the batverse established with matt reeves i think that it's going to be its own thing entirely matt reeves is going all in single-handedly on the batman we're not only going to get a trilogy of batman films but we're also set to receive a Penguin spin-off series on HBO Max, as well as a newly announced Arkham Asylum spin-off series on HBO Max. And currently on HBO Max, there's Gotham Audio Adventures, which I myself have not checked out yet. I need to check that out immediately, and I'm super excited for when it comes out. Batman, the Caped Crusader, a newly imagined Batman animated series, adapted and that's going to pay a lot of homage to. Batman The Animated Series from the 90s. I grew up watching that show as a kid. One of my favorite shows to watch and still holds up to this day. On HBO Max you can find it and looking forward to seeing what they do with this. J.J. Abrams coming into work with Matt Reeves on The Animated Series. Definitely looking forward to seeing what it brings. I know I think a lot of voice actors are coming back from The Animated Series as well. If Kevin Conroy comes in to voice The Batman, done deal. I mean, it's already a done deal for me, but, I mean, you want to talk about bringing the juice? Kevin Conroy will back a truck up of Tropicana and bring all of the juice for that series. I promise you. Super excited to see what happens. So, all these things that Warner Brothers has cooking right now, it's going to bring in so much money for them, and I don't think that their main focus is making sure that they have a phase 7 to 12 already lined up for the next 40 years that is not their priority right now their priority is making sure that each individual project that is greenlit has not only a great director a great visionary at the helm but ultimately the property that they are working on all comes to fruition and ultimately meaning making money And that's what their films are doing so far. So I don't think they're going to strive from their strategy anytime soon. What they're doing is definitely working. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of what comes from not only the Batman, from Matt Reeves, but also from the DCEU as well. Our fourth topic today, we're going to do our weekly AEW Dynamite review. The past episode from March 9th, the Wednesday night Dynamite, The show kicked off with Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho, just like it did last Sunday at Revolution. Eddie Kingston expressed how much the win meant to him, especially since he was able to live up to the expectations of those that look up to him. That meant most to him, and the fact that he was able to walk away with a win and knowing that he was able to accomplish that feat, he was able to be proud of himself for the first time in a very long time, as he said. Later, as the two are talking, we see 2.0 come out and attack him. And then Santana and Ortiz invade his backup. Then things got really interesting as Chris Jericho took the metal baseball bat and struck his fellow inner circle members. The inner circle is no more. As stated by Jericho, he, Jake Hager, 2.0, and Daniel Garcia are now the members of the newly established Jericho Appreciation Society. And you gotta love heel jericho with these names (laughs) jericho appreciation society the newest faction in aew later on the show we saw hangman page defend his aew world championship against the number two men's singles rank opponent dante martin although a relatively short match it was highly entertaining throughout including many high-flying spots as expected with dante martin being in the mix And although Hangman Page retained after hitting Dante Martin with a buckshot lariat, he called Martin back to the ring after the match, gave him high praise for the fight that he put up against the champ, and he shook his hand in the middle of the ring. Dante Martin, being only 23 years old, is the youngest wrestler to challenge for a world title in AEW since its establishment. And as Hangman Page said himself, I doubt it will be the last time that we see Dante Martin putting on a show like that and fighting for championship gold. As soon as the two shook hands, Adam Cole then came out, interrupted, and challenged Hangman Page to a six-man tag team match next week on Dynamite. In a backstage segment, we saw Cole, who was going to pick the Young Bucks it looked like, but they did not express any interest in fighting Hangman Page. So then, an annoyed Adam Cole selected Red Dragon as his teammates for next week. And as Hangman turned down Dark Order's offer to help, he chose Jurassic Express as his teammates for next week's six-man tag team match on Dynamite. Then on the show, we saw the tag team debut of Jon Moxley and Brian Danielson, along with manager William Regal. Still can't get over William Regal being in an AEW. I think that's such a great acquisition. The team took on the Workhorsemen and JD Drake in their AEW tag team debut as well. And after a quick match, which saw Mox and Danielson pick up their first win as a tag team, the promo cut by William Regal was one of the best I've heard in a very long time. It was personal, it was real, and it was everything it needed to be and more. He began to cry when thanking Tony Schiavone in the ring for being one of the very few people that helped him in many ways when he first came to America. And the genuine emotion from Regal and Schiavone was real as it gets tony khan stated himself how invaluable regal is going to be not only behind the scenes but on screen as well and this shows then after this segment we hit the second hour of the show which was absolute mayhem pack took on wheeler Yuta and defeated him in a relatively short but well done singles match ftr was then shown backstage and they fired tully blanchard as their manager then the ahfo were shown in the ring they held an emergency organizational board meeting. After holding a vote of control over the company inside the ring, Private Party turned their thumbs up into a thumbs down right behind Matt Hardy's back as he wasn't looking. The entire AHFO then began attacking Matt Hardy. As then we heard Darby Allen's music hit, Walking Out Alongside with Sting. The two entered the ring to help Matt from the attack. Still outnumbered and all looks hopeless until... <laughs> the place erupts. Jeff Hardy had be dying. Absolutely dying at the fact that he had to make sure to hit his dance right before... <laughs> before he had to make sure he hit his dance before sprinting down the ramp to save his brother from getting beat and everyone else getting beat up absolutely love jeff hardy so great to see him come out so great to see the brothers reunite in the ring the genuine emotion and reaction from matt hardy when jeff came out and the ovation that he received from the crowd it was just great now i i do feel that this debut was a bit rushed the debut of a wrestler of jeff hardy's caliber would have been best kept for a bigger spot i feel like in my opinion especially since there was still roughly 45 minutes left on the show at this point and it served as the biggest highlight of the night and it definitely would have been a huge way to end the show but it was great nonetheless super happy that jeff hardy is all elite wardlow then cut a promo in the ring declaring that aew is now wardlow's world setting his sights towards next week for his first challenge at aew championship gold we then got a backstage segment between qt marshall and keith lee setting up their match for rampage which saw keith lee then pick up the victory on rampage then later on the show jurassic express defended their tag team titles against the acclaim after a fun very energetic match between the two teams we saw jurassic express successfully retain at this point in the show i was really just taken by how the aew roster is absolutely loaded with in-ring talent wrestlers with pure charisma and this roster and company overall has the chance to take off to new heights And I cannot wait to see where it goes. Then we saw Thunder Rosa take on Layla Hirsch to determine who Dr. Britt Baker's opponent will be for the upcoming St. Patrick's Day Slam next week on Dynamite. Thunder Rosa picked up the win in a solid match. And we will see her challenge for the AEW Women's Championship in her hometown of San Antonio, Texas. She will have the opportunity to capture the AEW Women's Championship from Dr. Britt Baker in a steel cage match in her hometown. I absolutely cannot wait to see what unfolds in this match. Definitely see it being Thunder Rosa's night for sure, and rightfully so. We'll have to wait and see. Next week on Dynamite, the St. Patrick's Day Slam, the two will meet in a steel cage match for the AEW Women's Championship. Lastly on the show this past week from Dynamite, in the main event, Sammy Guevara defended his TNT Championship against Scorpio Sky. Early in the match, Sammy attempted to do a 630 centon from the top rope through a table on the outside of the ring, but came down crashing extremely hard right through it as Scorpio Sky was able to evade. Legitimately thought Sammy was hurt for a few minutes there. Possibly thought he had a broken rib, if not several. Tay Conti then came running out to help her real-life boyfriend, Sammy Guevara. And then Paige Van Zant came out, throwing Tay Conti into the steel steps, knocking her completely unconscious. Scorpio Sky then in the ring quickly hit his finishing move to pick up the surprise victory over Sammy Guevara and to become the new TNT champion. Paige Van Zandt then added the cherry on top by throwing Tay Conti into the ring, placing her on top of her unconscious boyfriend, Sammy, signing an AEW contract directly on her behind. Paige Van Zant is now all elite. And the AEW Dynamite ends this week with one of the few remaining factions still standing tall, American Top Team, with its newest champion, Scorpio Sky, and its latest signee, Paige Van Zandt definitely looking forward to seeing what happens for next Wednesday night's Dynamite for the St. Patrick's Day Slam live from San Antonio Texas now topic number five today for new trailers we recently got the new trailer for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series oh man wow talk about bringing the juice the trailer starts off and you hear Obi-Wan the voiceover from Ewan McGregor say the fight is done we lost directly referencing the outcome from episode 3 when order 66 was given and all of the Jedi were seemingly wiped out overnight and now everyone from the Jedi order is being hunted to make sure that every single one is just killed off and then the rise of the dramatic Star Wars theme we hear and then it hits duel of the fates dude this show is going to be so awesome a ton of pictures came out this week giving us our first look at some of the characters that are going to appear in the show from darth vader hayden christensen returning for the role You see the inquisitor joel edgerton as owen lars uncle owen i think it's really great to see him come back for this role joel edgerton has really transcended into a very very good actor and if you haven't seen his movie that he directed and also starred in with Jason Bateman, called The Gift, man, what a creepy horror thriller! Very well done. Went to go see it in theaters. Was definitely a huge fan of it. Highly recommend seeing it. The guy has serious talent. And for him appearing in, in such a small role when the original prequels came out, for him just transcending and building and building upon his career since then, for him to get to come back in this role and to have a more prominent role, it seems like as well. I- I'm very much looking forward to seeing what this series brings. It-, it just looks insanely epic. The first movie that I ever saw in the movie theaters was episode 1, The Phantom Menace. I was about two and a half years old. My parents brought me to the local Broadway theater. And I sat there for nearly three hours with my mouth wide open. I don't think I moved once during the entire movie. My parents said that at the very end, I just got up on my seat and began clapping, just yelling, yay. I was was captivated by what I had seen. And I truly think that my reaction to this series will be the exact same, honestly. (laughs) I honestly believe that. I cannot wait to see this series may 25th it hits disney plus right around the corner cannot wait to see what it brings all right and topic number six today florence Pugh joins the cast for the upcoming highly anticipated dune part two she is set to star as princess irulan now i have yet to read dune i picked up a copy and i plan to finish the story before the next movie comes out I know that the princess plays a major part in the story and I'm trying to keep away from all spoilers. I I do want to read the book before the next film comes out. So I I know I have a little bit of time, but I also know that it's a ginormous book. So I got to get started on that right away. I think this is an absolutely great casting selecting Florence Pugh for the role. She's been on fire as of late and she joins an already loaded cast. Which actually brings us to our next topic today. Austin Butler joins the cast for Dune Part 2 as well. Another big casting announcement this week. Informing us that the star of the upcoming Elvis Presley biopic has now joined the stacked cast for Danny Villeneuve's Dune Part 2. Butler joins the cast as Fade Rutha or Fade Rolfa. Fade Rutha or Rolfa, a supposed villain introduced in the story. This is another great addition to the cast. I really need to make sure that I take the time to read Dune in its entirety before seeing this movie. I picked up a copy of the book for a reason. I want to make sure I know who these characters are. And I know for a fact that after reading the book, it's only going to make me that much more excited To see the epic conclusion of what Danny Villeneuve wants to do with Dune. If you haven't seen Dune yet already, definitely recommend you checking it out. I know it's available on HBO Max. Watch it on the biggest screen possible. Turn up the volume and just enjoy. Three hours of greatness. Three hours of bringing the juice right to you. Topic number eight today. A topic that we introduced a few weeks ago on the podcast called What Are They Filming and What Should I See? In honor of International Women's Day being this week, I wanted to highlight one of the major, most successful actresses working in Hollywood today, Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston's first major film role came in 1993 in the horror comedy Leprechaun. Since her career progressed throughout the 1990s, she has become one of the world's highest paid actresses. Films with her in the leading role have grossed over $1.6 billion worldwide with 12 of them earning at least $100 million. Jennifer Aniston rose to international fame for her role as Rachel Green on the television sitcom Friends, which aired from 1994 to 2004, for which she earned Primetime Emmy, Golden Globe, and Screen Time Actors Guild Awards. She has since played starring roles in numerous dramas, comedies, and romantic comedies as well. Jennifer Aniston is currently filming Murder Mystery 2 with Adam Sandler, a sequel to their 2019 Netflix film. And for picks for Jennifer Aniston films, number one, Marley and Me. This movie, sure to make her cry. Be warned. If you don't cry at the end of Marley and Me, I would definitely go see a doctor immediately. Talk to somebody. Check your pulse. Eat a Snickers. Something. I don't know. There's going to be something wrong with you. Got to watch Marley. If you haven't seen Marley and Me, definitely watch Marley and Me. For pick number two, We're the Millers. Absolutely hysterical film. Jason Sudeikis, hilarious. Jennifer Aniston, absolutely hilarious. Check out We're the Millers. Pick number three, Rockstar. I thought Jennifer Aniston was great in this film. It's an earlier role for her, starring alongside Mark Wahlberg. Great film, though. Definitely recommend checking it out. This is definitely one of those more uh, drama roles that she was in. But a great early role for her. And it's a really good movie as well. Now, pick number four. Underrated Gem. The Iron Giant. I grew up loving this film. I have not seen this film in years. But, oh, it's such a great story. Love this movie as a kid. And I definitely got to revisit this one for sure. But... I had no idea that Jennifer Anderson even did the voice for the mom in this movie. I had no idea. I was looking at her filmography for this podcast, doing some research earlier this week, and I saw this movie pop up, and I was like, oh, the Iron Giant, I haven't seen this film in years, and I just I was also equally blown away the fact that Jennifer Anderson had lent her voice for the role as the mom in this movie. Great movie. Such a good story. If you haven't seen this film yet, definitely recommend seeing this. I'm sure it's available somewhere on streaming. And our final topic today, topic number nine. Just want to preview some of the upcoming content that we're going to see on YouTube. Movie reactions are being completed and edited as we speak. Starting off with some random picks of movies that I haven't seen yet. Then we're going to be taking your recommendations and adding them to our list to complete. As well as gameplay videos, diving into the past regarding retro games. Going to start off some random picks from my retro game collection. And then we're going to take your recommendations and add them to our list to complete. And for your reference, visit our link tree and you can access our full retro game collection master list. And select which game you would like to see us play next. And with that, just about wraps up our last installment of the b Reviews podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Musica. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BMuse Reviews. Be sure to listen every week on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and all other streaming platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, we thank you and ask you to like, leave a comment, subscribe, and hit the bell icon. That way, you receive notifications that inform you exactly when our podcast goes live, as well as all other video content. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of the BMU's Reviews podcast, so stay tuned for more. And, as always, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.